there, folks. My name is Emily, and this is E Pluribus Unum. Welcome to the podcast. I apologize, I have not put out an episode in several weeks. I have been so busy, but I am working on managing all of the little things that I'm doing because I really enjoy doing these episodes. As I've mentioned before, I think of them as a conversation between me and you, lovely listeners, even though it's just me talking. I do think of it as a conversation. I'm not trying to preach at you. I'm not trying to be didactic. I just want to share some thoughts I have, things that I'm thinking about in hopes that it will also cause you to think. That's all I'm trying to do. For those of you who are new to the podcast, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. I started E Pluribus Unum to share the viewpoint of your average run-of-the-mill conservative. If people are exposed to the conservative viewpoint, they're either exposed through people like Ben Shapiro or Dennis Prager or Glenn Beck, who are wonderful, but who already are so big that they just have reputations surrounding them that I think it's hard for people to maybe get through that reputation to the real conservative values at the heart of it. And of course, in the media, conservatives are not painted in the prettiest light, and I'm conservative. Most of my family is conservative. Most of my friends are conservative. And these are good, loving, warm, honest people. And I wanted to share them with the world. I want people to know that conservatives are not all scary and greedy and rude and racist and evil and whatever else the media might say that we are. Are there conservatives who are like that? Sure. Are there Democrats who are like that? Sure. Are there socialists who are like that? Sure. You know why? Because we're all just people and they're wonderful people of all religions and all political viewpoints and all backgrounds. And there are disgusting people of all religions and all backgrounds and all political viewpoints. And that's just the way it is. So that was the original idea for the podcast. It has since morphed a bit. I still try to bring you the conservative viewpoint on a variety of topics so that you understand that, for instance, when we say that we're opposed to illegal immigration, it's not because we have a problem with the people who are immigrating, or God forbid, with the color of their skin, or that we are unsympathetic to their plight. It is none of those things. It is simply that we have a problem with people doing something illegal. And in fact, we think that often people who come here illegally, that it's actually worse for them and we care about people, and we want the best for them, and being an illegal immigrant is not the best for people. So that's the point, to give you really what conservatives think about things, not what the media tells you conservatives about. We should never listen to what someone else tells us someone else's thought process is. We should go directly to the source, whether it's in politics or personally. If I tell you that a mutual friend is, I don't know, that they're skipping out on work to go party, we should verify the information we hear and go directly to the source. That's the point. So anyway, that's the purpose of the podcast. Again, it morphed. So in addition to giving the real conservative viewpoint on different topics, I now also like to talk about the lessons that all of us can learn from the Bible, whether one is Jewish or Christian, any other religion or no religion, there are still lessons that are there for all of us. I do believe that the Bible is for all of us, even if our religious practice is different, the values and the wisdom is for every human being. I talk about some culture, talk about character development 
from a Jewish perspective, I don't really talk politics in terms of specific candidates or even news, but every once in a while there's a story that's very interesting that has to do with a larger issue, and I will bring that up. The name E Pluribus Unum still works, though, or E Pluribus Unum. I looked online. I don't speak Latin, so I had to look online to find out how to pronounce it, and there were two different ways. It's possible that a British pronunciation is different than an American. I'm not sure. I call it E Pluribus Unum. If I'm saying it wrong, feel free to let me know via Instagram or Facebook. But the name still stands because the purpose is to, well, exactly what E Pluribus Unum means. Out of many, one. We all have different backgrounds, whether that is political or family or interests, whatever it is, we all are different people. We might have the same political views, but different religious backgrounds, the same religious background, but different country of origin. We There's no two people that are exactly the same, but we are all children of God, and we all live in, the con- in this country, in the U.S., and that means we have to be one, and we can become one. There are beautiful things for us to unify around, but we can't unify if we don't understand each other. So that's why I'm here, to help us understand each other and unify. So thank you all so much for being here. If you have the opportunity, do please head over to Instagram and Facebook and Parlor. You can follow me at E Pluribus Unum Podcast. I would love to hear from you. If you want to join in this conversation, leave a comment. If there is a topic you want me to cover, if you have a question, anything like that, I'd love to hear it. Today, I'm going to do one of my random thoughts episodes. This is totally a ripoff of Thomas Sowell's old articles that he would call random thoughts in the passing scene, where he would just comment on a bunch of different things. It was a great idea. And so this is one of those episodes. I just have a few different things that I've been meaning to talk about. Maybe if I hadn't waited so long to do an episode, we would have just one episode on each of these topics. But this is where we are. This is what life has thrown at us. So here we go. I want to talk about the Oscars. And I know they were several weeks ago. But the opening speech that Regina King gave really made me think about something in a new way. So Regina King, who has been in a lot of stuff, I don't know what she's most famous for. I looked her up on IMDb, though, and I looked up the things that I've seen her in. She was in Miss Congeniality 2. She was in Ray. And she was also in Shameless and Jerry Maguire, If Beale Street Could Talk, which just came out in 2018. So she's been in her her IMDb page is very long. She's been in a lot of things. So she gave the opening speech, and one of the things she said in her speech was so self-aware for Hollywood. We have to give her kudos. Like, it was very impressive. She was talking politics, and she was talking about the Derek Chauvin case and all the protests and riots last year and, of course, COVID and all sorts of things. And at one point during that speech, she said, I know that a lot of you people at home want to reach for your remotes when you feel like Hollywood is preaching to you so self-aware. She was so right. I'm sure that as she started talking, people who were tuning into the Oscars started to change the station and pick up their remote. It's like radio stations when they would go to commercial break saying, don't touch that dial. That's what she was doing. Don't touch that remote. Now, full disclosure, I did not watch the Oscars, but not because there was anything particular about this year. I've never watched the Oscars. I've never watched an award show. I don't have a problem with award shows, per se, if people feel like making public the awards that they give each other and if people want to watch it, I think that's fine. I do think it's interesting that in this culture, when we complain about 
teachers not being paid enough or how we have heroes like, you know, frontline workers and things like that, why don't we televise their awards? I'm sure there are plenty of teacher of the year awards that are given out at city and county and state and probably national levels. Wouldn't it be so interesting to have doctor awards? Let's find out who the best doctors are. Oscars and Emmys, it's interesting, but we actually already see them on TV. What an interesting shift it would be in our culture if we had award shows for meaningful work. And I'm a theater person. I love to perform. It is the thing that sets my soul on fire unlike almost anything else. But I still know the place of actors in society. They're helpful for entertainment. They're fun. They might be in a show that is a mirror to society, but they also might be in a show that's just fun and silly. I don't think they're brave or heroic. I think they have a talent from God and they are sharing it in the best way and kudos to them. And I would not take it away from them for anything. But compared to doctors, teachers, firemen, policemen, sanitation workers, honestly, they're pretty low on the totem pole. Or I guess technically high because apparently low on the totem pole is more important and high is less important, but we all say the phrase low on the totem pole. So they're low on the totem pole. Anyway, so that's my very slight segue about award shows in general. So I don't watch any of them. I only every once in a while watch clips from the Tonys because I love Broadway and I like seeing the performances, but I don't care who wins anything. Also, sorry, I'm getting so sidetracked here, but as I talk, things come to mind. Just because something has won an award doesn't mean it's your taste. Things can be objectively good. It can be a good story, good presentation, all of that. But just because art is good doesn't mean it's one's taste. And I think we should be able to recognize that there are objectively good pieces of art or objectively good music. And that some music is better than other music. Objectively speaking, some theater is objectively better than other theater. Some TV shows are objectively better than other TV shows. But that doesn't mean that you have to like it more. Citizen Kane might objectively be one of the best movies. But if your favorite movie is Dodgeball, because it makes you laugh, that's fine. You can recognize that Citizen Kane is great and tells a perfect story. I still haven't seen Citizen Kane, so I can't talk about it too much, but you know, it's pretty much recognized as a great movie. But if you love Dodgeball, because Will Ferrell makes you laugh and every time you turn it on, it just, you know, you crack up until your ribs hurt. No shame in that. So how did I get off on this tangent? Oh yes, talking about award shows. I'm talking about Regina King. So I'll get back to Regina King now. So she said this very self-aware thing. She realized that people at home would want to turn off the remote after hearing her talk politics. And this is what it made me realize. It's true that we don't want to be preached at by Hollywood. And there are a couple of reasons. The first reason is people don't like being preached at. It's just not pleasant. That's why I'm not trying to do it here. I'm not trying to preach at you. I'm just sharing. You know, you can go off and think whatever you want. I'm not telling you how to be. I'm not judging you for who you are, what you think. People don't like being preached at, except maybe by a preacher, but not a Hollywood star because we don't think you're qualified. That's not your job. So people don't like being preached at. And yes, a lot of us disagree with what Miss King or possibly Mrs. King was saying. So as annoying as it is to be preached at, it's even more annoying to be preached at by someone who you so patently disagree with on so many topics. I know some people get in trouble for telling starlets or for telling sports players not to comment on politics. If you want to comment on politics, 
free speech. Everyone should be allowed to. If you want to post every thought you've ever had on Twitter, on social media, by all means, go for it. Just know that it might turn people off to you and people might not necessarily want your opinion, but you can, everyone can share his opinion. I think the biggest thing here is not just that we disagree. I think the issue here is we're watching the Oscars. This year has been tough. People have been stuck in their homes. There's been COVID. There have been riots, protests, elections, all sorts of things this year. We just want 10 minutes without politics. If we're turning on the Oscars, we want to see people in pretty dresses, walking down a red carpet, being fancy. Like, that's all. And I think that's really what, like, people in Hollywood don't get, is that we just want to break. Like, when I'm turning on TV, I don't want to be preached at, not just because I don't agree with you, but because I'm turning on TV so my mind can chill, because my day's been stressful. My day's been stressful from work. It's been stressful from news, spouses, kids, traffic, whatever, and I just want five minutes, and I turn on a comedy, and you're preaching at me, and and we just want time. And I actually think, like I said before, I don't think actors are heroes. They're just, they're lucky to be doing a profession they love. That's amazing. But I think they could actually be, they could better serve society if they actually took a step back from top politics. Because then people could have a break and people could relax and find some peace of mind. But that's all. We just want to chill for like five seconds, right? We just want to forget sometimes. And that's, that's usually why most of us are turning on TV. Maybe not turning on a documentary, but if you're turning on fiction, you're chilling, right? That's the whole point. Anyway, so that was my thought on the Oscars. I know I'm a little bit behind, but better late than never, right? So I have a lot of friends who have gotten engaged and or married recently. I've been to already two weddings this year. I have at least two more to go to. No, three more to go to. And I have two other friends who are engaged and probably getting married within the next year. So I'm just in that time of life. Everyone's getting engaged and getting married and having kids. So it's made me think about the whole courtship, proposing, and marriage process. And there was one thing in particular that stood out to me, and that is how the traditional way of proposing with a man proposing to a woman actually gives so much power to women. And it's really amazing. I think there's this idea that the traditional proposal is sexist because usually men do it. Whenever one group does something that another group doesn't do, it seems like people assume that that means the other group is left out. So because men usually do the proposing, that means women are left out and that means it's sexist. But picture a typical proposal in your head. A man is on his knees with an offering of gold. The woman is standing up. He's asking the question. He's completely vulnerable and she has the power to decide their fate, literally decide their future with one simple question. You tell me who has the power in that situation, the person who gets to decide what these two people's future is going to look like, or the person on their knees, again, with a literal gold offering or platinum offering, depending, right? How many other times is someone on their knees? It's an act of supplication. The ring, you're not buying the woman. It's a, it's an offering. It's not like a bribe. It's an offering, like someone would bring to the gods or something like that. I don't know why proposals are traditionally done by men. Maybe there is some sort of history that is not so great because 
men did have more power to decide who they wanted to marry and women maybe didn't have the luxury of being so bold and forthright in making their wishes known. But from a modern lens, a proposal is very much in the woman's power. I think that's pretty cool. This thought is sort of, well, it's what all of us should have, which is we don't know something until we encounter it. I didn't really think of proposals in this way until I was surrounded by a lot of people proposing. We are all the time told to be aware of different people's experience. And if we're not aware and totally in tune to other people's experience, apparently that makes us terrible people. Something I've realized is it's just literally impossible to be totally aware of other people's experience. People can tell you their experience, you can listen, you can be open-hearted and open-minded about it. But the truth is, until you actually get some glimpse into it, it's really hard to develop that empathy. But once you do, you develop that empathy and that's incredible. For instance, I always wondered about women who were full-time stay-at-home moms and would still have a housekeeper come. I thought, you are home all the time. How is it possible that you don't get everything done? Until now, I've been at home, and I realized even when I'm home full-time, between all the little household things, it can actually be really hard to find time to get everything done. And I don't even have kids yet. So it was this very cool experience, and it's happened several times recently where I'm in a situation and I'm having empathy and learning more about another group and their experience. Now, I understand why there are all these awareness campaigns. You know, Be aware of AIDS, be aware of black people, be aware of people with disabilities, because we won't necessarily encounter everyone's different experience in our daily life. And it is good to be aware that different people have different experiences. So it's not necessarily problematic that people have all these awareness days, though I think because there's so many of them and and the implication that if you aren't aware or if you aren't completely empathetic, you're bad, that's problematic and that's annoying because you can't be aware of something until it's brought to your attention. I think the important thing is just to be aware generally Different people have different experiences and not to assume that we know about someone else and about their life and about their feelings and their whatever before we encounter them. But there is not enough time in a person's life to gather awareness about every person, about every group. So we just do our best. But it is interesting when those moments happen, when we start, when we do become aware, we develop empathy. It's very interesting. Speaking of all these friends who are getting engaged and, you know, what's sexist and what isn't sexist, I'm, again, landing on the idea that proposing is not sexist and is, in fact, very empowering for women. I want to talk about birth control because now there's this whole push for men to take birth control because why should women have to be the ones to do it? First of all, condoms do exist. So there is actually birth control for men. Second of all, Birth control was actually liberating. When it came out in the 60s, that was what precipitated the whole sexual revolution. Women could now have sex and not have to worry about getting pregnant. And I think women should be allowed to have sex without having to worry about getting pregnant. But it's interesting how something, it's interesting how we sometimes forget where things come from. For instance, plastic bags. 
why do we use plastic bags at the grocery store? Because we used to use paper. But then they told us that paper was cutting down too many trees, so yet let's use plastic instead. And now, of course, they don't want us to use plastic because that's bad for the environment, so we're back to paper. So it's just this back and forth, which probably just implies that as humans, we're imperfect and we have imperfect solutions, so we just have to do our best. Birth control was liberating for women. It gave them the opportunity to have sex and be a little bit freer and not have to worry. Whether women being more free with sex was ultimately good or bad, I think, is a different discussion. That is how the pill was initially seen, and it's so funny that now people think it's sexist because they've forgotten where it started. People have the attention spans or the memories of fleas, and actually that might be insulting to fleas. Sort of similar to the proposal thing, I actually find birth control to be empowering for women because that means we rely on ourselves. We don't have to rely on a man taking a pill, and apparently they are coming out with pills that men can take too, but we don't have to rely on making sure that the man is taking his pill every day at eight o'clock, we can do it. We can take care of ourselves. Isn't that so much better? I don't know where this concept of wanting to rely on someone else, having to be the ones, like birth control gives you the opportunity to take charge of your own sexuality. Isn't that a good thing? I don't understand people sometimes. I also don't understand why we'd want to leave it to men who like can't find the ketchup if it's staring them in the face because it's right in the front of the refrigerator. We want to rely upon them to be taking their birth control at the same time every day? I don't think so. Okay, last thing, and I'm going to give you a little helpful tip, something that you can actually use in your day-to-day life. Because this might have happened to you. It hasn't happened to me yet, but it's happened to several friends, and and I wanna help. So I was talking to one friend in particular, and she said that a family friend asked her if she had had the vaccine. And she said no, she hadn't, And then he started lecturing her about why it was important to get the vaccine. And she said she was very uncomfortable. She didn't understand why this person, who is a family friend, but not a very close family friend, was asking her personal medical information. And it is interesting now, right? We, people ask each other if they've had the COVID vaccination, you have to show proof of your vaccination to do certain things. I mean, has anyone heard of HIPAA? Our medical information is super private. Once you turn 18, even your parents don't get to know. It's super private. But now it's become so public and everyone's asking each other if they've taken the vaccine. So here's what you do. If someone asks if you've taken the vaccine and you have two different options, one is a little bit less confrontational. So I'll leave it to you to decide based upon the circumstance and based upon who you are. So the first option is if someone asks you if you've taken the vaccine, you say yes or no, whichever. We'll go with no. We'll assume someone's asking me if I've gotten the vaccine and this is how the conversation would go. Hey, Emily, have you got the COVID vaccine? No, I haven't. However, I did get the HPV vaccine. I had two teeth pulled when I was 12. Oh, and my period started May 1st. So that's one option is if people are going to ask you personal medical information, give them personal medical information. And the more uncomfortable, the better. Like if you're a woman, definitely go into the specifics of your period. If you're a man, I don't know, whenever it's awkward for men to share, but go deep into it, deep, deep, deep. The second option is a little bit more confrontational, so that would look like this. Hey, Emily, have you gotten the COVID vaccine? No, I haven't. By the way, have you gotten your tubes tied? Oh, have you ever had chlamydia? Do you brush your teeth two times a day? So that's the slightly more confrontational one where if someone's going to ask you private personal medical information, you get to ask them private personal medical information. Now, I know some people will say, well, the COVID vaccine is different because the COVID vaccine affects other people, to which I answer, 
That's true, but so does chickenpox, and most people don't go around asking you if you've gotten the chickenpox vaccine. Only when you go to school as a kindergartner do they need to know. And also, even if it does affect other people, it's private. If someone is cons- if someone is so concerned about whether or not people have gotten the vaccine, then they should continue to wear masks and clean everything down. You don't get to know how other people are dealing with things. You just have to deal with yourself, which is what I tell kindergartners when they are telling on their friends, look at her, she's using a colored pencil. She's only supposed to be using a regular pencil. Who are you supposed to focus on? You get to focus on yourself, and I as a teacher get to focus on everyone. But in this case, we focus on ourselves, our own medical history, and privacy. Thank you so much for listening. I am not going to make any promises anymore about how often I can do this because my schedule is crazy, but I love doing this. I love talking to you, so I will do my best to be here as often as possible. If you have an opportunity, please subscribe to the podcast. I'm on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places. Please subscribe, leave a rating and a review. And again, please follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Parlor at Podcast. I would love to hear from you. Really, if you have any questions about a conservative viewpoint on a particular topic or something Judaism related, really anything, please, please, please let me know. And, oh yes, remember, always be a little kinder than necessary. Thank you for listening to E Pluribus Unum. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and a review. And please share the podcast with anyone you think would benefit from some common sense and thoughtfulness. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at E Pluribus Unum Podcast. You can also find me on Locals at E Pluribus Unum Podcast.locals.com. The intro and end music is Chopin's Etude Opus 10, number one in C major, known as the Waterfall Etude.